Welcome to Milk and Meat Friday Night Live Stream. I'm Sean. This is my lovely wife, Lindsay. Hey guys. Shabbat Shalom if it's Shabbat where you're at. Yeah, if you're practicing Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. And um, many of you may see this tomorrow anyway, so probably practicing at that point. Uh, thanks for everyone for being here. And as you probably saw um, from the thumbnail, we're going to do a ladies' night. Uh, my wife is going to, I'm going to be here, but she's pretty much going to interact with the ladies mostly. Um, not that we're excluding men. <coughs> there may be some female-related questions from men. Uh, well, in the chat, but the goal is um, we're encouraging the ladies to interact first. The idea is that the men would be respectful enough to let the ladies have a space for a night. For lack of a better word, this is a space for the ladies to come and um, just talk about, you know, women's issues and topics, mm -hmm. you know, related to women within the context of this faith walk. It's something that a lot of my sisters have been requesting of me for a very long time. Um, and I finally felt, you know, God's been working on my heart. So I finally felt comfortable enough with the idea. Um, still not comfortable enough to commit to like once a week. <laughs> um, but basically as, as I feel led, so maybe once a month or every other month, um, just a chance for the ladies to talk about ladies issues and, you know, kind of not really have to focus so much on deep studies of scripture and things like that, but more just kind of a conversational type, um, interaction. So, mm -hmm. I think Sean had a few things he wanted to talk about before yeah. we get started. <laughs> Dog is trying to knock over our lights. Um, we did want to just, I wanted to let everyone know that a little, a bit of an update. What is this? Genesis. Romans. Let over here. So and then I, I shut it. Um, the contextual study guide is coming along for all those who have uh, joined Patreon and um, to, to be a part of to get early access to that study guide. Um, it is coming along. We've received some donations for that. We want to thank everyone if you're watching through the donations. Some of you have uh, dropped your phone number with those donations. We'll be giving you a call uh, this weekend. So we want to thank you so much for that. And for all those who would, who would like actual access to the books as they complete them for the study guide, uh, we're doing that on Patreon. So go over there. And that's at the uh, the $20 tier. And that way, as I complete the books and release them, I'll be releasing them in a PDF format on Patreon. Guys, if you're using Apple phones, you may want to download a um, PDF viewer that's not specifically Apple so that you can view the proper colors for the study guide, because that's why it's the study guide. It's a color-coded context yeah. study guide. So, um, so for whatever reason, certain Apple phones struggle with that because they have a special PDF viewer that doesn't work with the right colors. Um, so yeah, just make sure you're doing that. And then 
I was just going to try to show something real quick that we actually, um, I'm going to have a bonus. My goal, like I've been announcing, was for May 15th to have Enoch, Jubilees, and Genesis finished. Uh, Enoch is like 90% finished. Um, Genesis is 50% finished, and I'll be starting Jubilees soon. And then uh, I also, as a as a bonus, um, I, I got tired, not tired, but I just got I got fatigued, if you will, with the massive book of Gen of uh, Jubilees and Genesis, um, excuse me, of Enoch and Genesis. So I took a quick break one day and I did Romans. So I was doing some New quick Testament break. Book. Yeah, I took a quick two day break and I did the book of Romans. So that's going to be I'm going to be releasing that on May 15th as well. So that way, uh, Lord willing, I'll be able to do Genesis, Jubilees and um, Enoch and Romans all on May 15th available uh pdf early access so uh we're really excited about that guys um go check it out on patreon if you haven't already and so you can get so you can get uh, access when i do that and that way you can start using them in your study guides as you'll see me over as i complete these books in full totality you're going to see us use them in our videos you know going forward because it's gonna lord willing help create better easier context for us to teach with so um yeah we just want to give you a quick update on that and without further ado if you have call-ins, if you have questions, <laughs> we put the, the, the live call-in link in the chat. We also, um, I'm going to put it at the bottom of the screen. So if you want to call in to this link here at the bottom of the stream, it starts with the HTTP. Um, that's how you call in. Let me actually make a quick adjustment here so people don't get confused. There we go. There we go. Need a little space. Um, and that way, you know, you will take questions from the, you know, my wife will take questions from the live chat and we'll also take your live calls if you want. So links at the bottom of the screen. It's also in the chat and uh, I'm going to go work over here. He goes, have a good time. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'll just be here in the backdrop. Just so, just so you guys kind of understand, I asked Sean to be here with me um, because <clears throat> first of all, I'm just, you guys know I'm shy. I'm nervous. I'm not good with all the clicking on things and, answering the calls and the links and all that stuff. Also, um, I felt like <clears throat> since this isn't like a private Zoom where we're just, you know, ladies in a private group just speaking with each other, it's something that's going to be recorded and anybody else will be able to watch it later. And I could be teaching a little bit throughout this. I felt more comfortable having my husband with me. I wanted him here to help me with scripture recall. I wanted him here to help me if there were any questions, maybe scripture related that I don't necessarily feel I have the answer to. Um, and then I also, so I hope everyone's okay with Sean being here, <laughs> but she he's, me to look up verses, guys. That's he's not, saying. he's going to be my Sean cyclopedia. I thought, you know, there might be some, you know, male perspective that us ladies might appreciate. Um, but generally overall, I just feel better with him, uh, you know, being here and kind of overseeing. So just in case anyone's wondering, this was pretty much all my request. I asked that he would be I'm, here. I was surprised. Yeah, I, I asked that he would be here and kind of, you know, just oversee this for me. Um, and I also wanted to let ladies know before we get started, there are certain things that I do not feel qualified to answer. I haven't had children. I've only been married for three years. Um, so there are, you know, some things that I don't have any life experience with. So that was the other reason I wanted to do an open chat with Collins um, so that obviously other women with more experience in these areas can offer their counsel, their advice, their input. Um, so that's basically kind of my idea for this ladies night. Looks so. like we've got our first uh, super chat and question. Yes. From the live chat. Lee, Lee, 
Anna Harrington. And uh, we caller, we do see you, but we had this question first. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we'll bring you in just a minute. Yeah, uh, we have a live caller waiting. So the question is: Intercourse after pregnancy. Leviticus twelve mentions a purification time of sixty-six days after having a female child. Does that mean no intercourse for the whole time, or just the first two weeks? What a starting question. I love it. Um. So I let's pull up the verse. <laughs> Sure. Um, let's, is that my cue? That's yes. That's my let's cue. actually go ahead and read um, the instructions here. So we'll go to Leviticus 12. All right. I'll put this on screen for everyone to read along. Okay. I'm going to pull the, because of the size of the question, I'm going to yeah. pull it down so we can Okay. Help people look what we're looking at here. All right. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speaking to the children of Israel, if a woman has conceived seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of the separation. Oh, I, what translation is this? Okay. This is, hang on, hang yeah. On. Can you, uh, yeah, let's not do, <laughs> can you just do NASB please? That's the one sure. I usually prefer. Thank you. Okay. There we go. All right. When a woman gives birth and delivers a male child, then shall sh she shall be unclean for seven days. As she is in the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. Then on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised and she shall stay at home in her condition of blood, and blood purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her pur purification are completed. But if she gives birth to a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks as in her menstruation, and she shall stay at home in her condition of blood purification for 66 days. And then it goes into um, the, the, yeah, the, the, sacri the atonement sacrifice. So <clears throat> I know that, and then let's go to Leviticus 15, and we'll take a look at the actual, this is the instruction concerning that time. Okay. This is not. So it seems to say that she's her, her impurity or her uncleanness is likened to the menstrual impurity just for the first 14 days. But then after the 66 days, which is a total of 80, um, she can bring forward the atonement sacrifice and be considered clean. Yes. Um, but I know that I was, I had a conversation about this where I was realizing that it was saying that we shouldn't have intercourse for that whole, yeah, that's what that I'm whole time. That's what I'm getting at. The, the, the sacrifice itself at the very end of that of Leviticus 12, uh -huh. it says that after she brings the sacrifice forward, then she will be clean. So if okay. menstruation makes you unclean and that tells you not to have right. marital conjugation during that time, then is it saying that she's, there's two different things here. There's a actual issuing of blood for two weeks right? versus the entire 80 days uh, that would apply, you know, like Leviticus 15, husbands and wives don't have sex during her uncleanness. Right. This is what I was looking for with some other translations just to help us see this worded in some other ways. So this says, then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. Mm -hmm. So because this is still mentioning there's, there's, there's a, an issuance of blood that is, mm -hmm going on whether it can be seen or not she remains that way for that 33 days or what is it 66 days well, let's, put for... it like, let's put it like this think about the actual sex concept right if the husband has sex with the wife and she's you know from day 15 to day to day 80 
Uh, what, what was it? Um, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> There's 80 days total, right? Yeah, the for first, a female. The, the first female 14 child. and then 66 letters. So from days yeah. 15 to day 80, after the first 14 days, would the husband become unclean if he had sex with the wife and then couldn't come forward to the temple to do what yes. he's supposed to do for the family? So I think it still applies to the whole 80 days. Yes, that's what I would lean. But we have no temple we're going to. Right. So, so it's a caveat, but I would say... I'll let you, I'll let you. Well, we don't have a temple that we're going to, going to, but most of us women follow the command not to engage in intercourse um, during that time of the month. So personally, I've already decided, I've settled on this, that yes, it's for that full amount of time that you're in the blood of your pur purification. So you're not in a state of cleanliness as far as intercourse goes. And so I would say, of course, it'd be safer not to, but pretty much I'm convinced it's the whole time. Um, so hopefully that answers your question and we can bring our caller in. We have Rachel calling in. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Lindsay. Thanks for doing this. We've been so excited. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah there we, we are. Can hear you. Okay. I was just saying, we are so excited that you did this. My sister and I, um, we're praying that all of our kids would be asleep and we've got one oh, that yeah. didn't. <laughs> uh, but our question is, um, because of your experience in the occult, at which point does different type of medicine slash healings cross over into magic or divination, sorcery, witchcraft? For example, we would, um, I can see it more in the Western medicine that, you know, immunizations, vaccines are witchcraft. But then when it comes to like certain energy medicines like Reiki or um, crystals, those things are effective and are they only a cult or are there times where they're used properly? Um, while Reiki is definitely only a cult, I hate to break it to anyone who thinks that Reiki is effective. Um, it may be <clears throat> to me, it's a placebo. If it's been effective for you, please don't take offense at that. Um, that is a practice that I was engaged in for years before I came to Christ. Uh, there's no Reiki in the Bible. I mean, there's no one laying hands on each other doing these I mean, there's incantations going on in Reiki. There's working with higher beings in Reiki. I don't know how you can do Reiki se separate from, yeah, occult uh, practices as far as pulling in spirit guides and learning it from unclean spirits to begin with. I don't, I don't see that practice anywhere in scripture. So for me, its origin has to be unclean spirits. Crystals are a different, crystals are a different story because their their existence i mean god created crystals and precious stones i mean the we've talked about the breastplate of the high priest you know the holy city is going to be made from crystals and precious stones um you know so and i do it's something i don't talk about a whole lot on facebook or youtube because people in our crowd kind of can't there's just some people that get so triggered when you say anything good about a crystal um but i do think that there's some science involved with crystals obviously being conductors of electricity and having specific frequencies and um i don't know how far it goes into sorcery and rich witchcraft if you think having a certain stone brings you know certain vibes into your like it brings certain moods around or balances this or that i mean if if you're not using the crystals to try and actually heal yourself of things you know, that one's a little bit more of a gray area. The crystal resonance work that my friend was doing is absolutely 
it's like Reiki for crystals. <clears throat> so it is, that is divination. It is drawing spirits into the crystals and programming them and things like that. So with the crystals, it's a little bit more of a, of a gray area. You mind if I ask a, a divider? Sure. For the breastplate of the high priest was required by the father to put specific crystals, specific gemstones. Uh, also, many of them are crystalline structure in the Sapphire family. And that was required in the high breastplate. The high priest's <laughs> breastplates, specifically the father wanted certain ones. Why is that not divination? Right. You're not calling on unclean spirits while you use them. Yeah. That's your biggest divider right there. It's your biggest dividing line. The father created all of the earth for us to use, you know, for, for us. Um, but obviously Wiccan will use trees and worship trees as they worship nature, right? Are trees evil? Of course not. You know, so that's, to me, that seems to be the biggest dividing line is like, what, what power source are you drawing on when you're using these tools from the earth? Is it the father or is it unclean spirits? Well, my other thing would be, can we see it anywhere exhibited in the scriptures? Right. So, you know, crystals, we see we see precious stones in the scripture. We see them used in communication with the father in some way, shape or form. So that's why I would put crystals in a little, you know, more of a gray area. Reiki, Reiki for me, I just I mean, if if anyone has any you know scriptures that they can use to show someone doing Reiki in the in the Bible, I'd love to see them. But that one I would definitely stay away from. Great. Thank you. Did that help at all? Is there anything else I can? Well, clarify? yeah. Did, do you know much about muscle testing? Muscle testing? No, I haven't. Where they like ask questions to the body and they'll like press on your arm. and. If oh, uh... no. See, I did some stuff with a massage therapist who would talk to my organs and talk about, you know, your, your organs are intelligent and things like that. And there may be, there is, I again, this is something that may have a little bit of science actually backing it as far as there is intelligence to certain organs of ours. Like I believe our heart is, is like a, a more, way more complicated brain inside of our chest and our gut uh, clearly, you know, is there's some sort of intelligence that goes on in the gut with the way that that's related to the whole rest of your system. So I haven't heard, I mean, I haven't heard of that specific um, thing that's done, but I've had something like that done with massage therapist. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting. Um, and massage therapy uses it. Um, chiropractors use it. Different naturopaths use it. But Yeah, you know, that one I'm not sure. To me, it seems a little more hokey than straight up you're calling on spirits and having spirits help you do things. I mean, talking to your body parts and figuring out how they feel, if I'm understanding correctly that that's kind of what it is. You know, it's just... A little hokey, maybe. <laughs> no offense to anyone who's benefited from it. Oh, great. I'll have to think more about the um, difference as to which power source that it's driving from. Because sometimes it's not clear um, initially, I think. Especially with things that I'm coming across that are new. But it's so interesting when we look at medicines, you know, throughout and med medical practices throughout the world and what has been done and what we think as Americans is hokey is typically the non-Western medicine. And some people immediately write that off as occultic, but then there is truth that we do conduct electricity and we there are different energies and that we do store emotions, like you said, in organs. But uh, thank you very much for your answering your perspective. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Thank you.
Shabbat shalom. Remind everyone to put their questions in all caps. If you could put your questions in all caps, that would be very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> What's their next one? <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, that's another one that I'm really, I would stay away from it because I'm really not positive about it. Um, I can't personally... <laughs> Sorry, guys. We have a <laughs> dogs that are very protective. Um, so basically, I can't. There's no way to like dissect a human body and find those points of energy that um, I'm pretty sure that's what acupuncture is based on is the chi points of energy from Ch ancient Chinese medicine. I don't know how to verify that. I mean, for me, it's something that's not in the book, so I. You know, I can't say that it would be something that should be part of your faith walk because it's there. That one, I'm I'm not educated enough on acupuncture or the any science behind it that they claim to say one way or the other. As far as I know, it doesn't involve actual divination or practicing, consciously practicing witchcraft as far as I know. Um, but does that mean it's okay? That one I would have to say, not quite sure, guys. Sorry. Okay. Well, guys, if you have any questions, now's the time. Now's the time to put them in the live chat so that we can uh, try to address them. I think someone else asked. Um, There's capital right there. Yeah, that was acupuncture. Oh, okay. okay. And then someone else is asking about, it's not, it's not, I don't know if it's a female related question, but it's another question. Please put them in all caps. All right. I work in the healthcare field and work weekends as part of my schedule. Am I sinning? Well, this is one of those areas that I'll probably get in trouble from the more strict, strict side of our community. Um, you know, the work schedule thing is a tough issue, especially when you come into the understanding of the Sabbath after you've already gotten the job and you've already been working the job and, it, you know, Sounds like you might have been there for a while if it's healthcare. Um, if you, you know, like I came to the understanding of Shabbat when I was getting ready to look for a new job. So I deliberately went out and had that as part of my availability. But if you're already there, um, what I would recommend is that you do your best to try and get them to accommodate your religious um, needs for that day off. And if they can't, there is provision in the Torah for unintentional sin. Like you are not intentionally saying on Saturdays, let me get up and break the Shabbat and go to work because I really don't care about it. You're probably at work at Shabbat all day feeling guilty inside of yourself and awful and grieved and, you know, just praying to the Father to help you not have to work on Shabbat. Um, so if that's the case, no, you're not intentionally committing sin. Technically, yes, you're, you're, you're violating that commandment in the sense that you're working on the day you're not supposed to work. But was it your conscious choice? Are you doing it from, you know, the greed of your own heart and the lusts of your own flesh? Or are you doing it because those are the circumstances that happen to be dealt to you when you started to learn that the Sabbath hadn't changed? So yes and no is the answer. But ultimately, you don't have to panic about it. You don't have to feel horrible and condemned because 
your high priest is ministering for you. He knows your situation. He knows all your circumstances and he'll be helping you on your path, you know, in whatever way that you're, you know, that he's wanting you to go. So hopefully that answers your question. When you first met me, I was just finishing getting to a place where I can not work on the Sabbath. Right. So I had a job that I had to work on the Sabbath and they wouldn't let me off. But I guess to uh, girl 30, I would ask, have you asked for that time off? That would be the first thing. You know, um, some, some people are afraid to talk to their employers about it. Yeah. Yet you are um, accommodated by law for your religious beliefs. So I would encourage, you know, at least ask for it off. Yeah. My recommendation is always to start out with a very compromise, you know, come in and be, um, be flexible, be willing to compromise. Um, I'll work every other Saturday, you know, I'll, you know, just those kind of things. If you're willing, I'll work all these other holidays that other people don't want to work. If you let me have these holy days, you know, that's kind of what, you know, works for a lot of, I mean, that's what worked for me at my job. It was like, yeah, there's these certain days that, you know, I'm not going to be here, but I've got all this other, these other days that don't matter to me that I can, you know, be here when others can't. So hopefully that goes well for you. Okay. Looks like our next question. Is the Holy Spirit male or female? Neither. Neither. That's it's right. neither. The Holy Spirit isn't a separate person. It's not some separate sentient being apart from the Father and the Son. Just like we all have the breath of life in us, um, the Spirit is the breath of life. And it's also the animating power and force of, of God and, and of God specifically. I mean, there's obviously a different spirit that comes upon you when you're baptized by that spirit and you come to the faith like I did. I mean, we all have the breath of life from birth, but then when you actually receive a de deposit of the Holy Spirit on this side of the resurrection, that's obviously different, mm -hmm. um, but it's the same spirit. I mean, it's, it's the power flowing from the father. So hopefully that helps. Advice on a replacement for yoga. I like that you put replacement in caps or in uh, captions. Yeah. Um, because I think we've all been programmed to think that yoga is like some great form of exercise that you've got to find a replacement to when you realize it's evil. Um, yoga, actually, it's it's really not. It's it's stretching based on Hindu theology. It's so you can replace yoga with regular calisthenics. regular calisthenics. Yeah. Look up physical therapy. I found some awesome physical therapy videos on YouTube. They're totally free. I didn't have to go pay a physical therapist and find all kinds of different good stretches that you can do. Um, and then of course, actual exercise. Cause a lot of people treat yoga like it's exercise. And I did yoga for years. And I'm like, what do you mean exercise? I mean, I never broke a sweat doing yoga. I mean, that's why they have the whole hot yoga places where they have to put the steam in for you. Um, so first things first, I would say, change your thinking on it. You don't need a replacement for yoga. You just need to find some comfortable exercise that works for you. Um, so I would say calisthenics and stretching. Another good one, um, that people like to switch to is Pilates. Um, I've researched the origins of Pilates. I, as far as I can tell, it started with some lady, um, and, uh, and it's just an exercise program focusing on the core. So as far as I know, Pilates is safe. I mean, pretty much anything but yoga is safe guys. So, you know, I mean, just utilize YouTube. If you don't like to go to the gym and stuff like that, definitely look up, you know, free videos on the tube. There's lots there. Yoga is not the end all be all. And it's not the best form of exercise. 
All right. She is of Yah asks, is it wrong to want intimacy from spouse? Is it lust to desire husband? Um, no, uh, I think father built us that way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I also, you know, the question of am I lusting after my husband? I don't know if if lust can only ever have a negative connotation, then no, you're not lusting after him. You're desiring him. I mean, if it's just an issue of semantics, um, no, you're not lusting your husband if we're using that word in the negative connotation. Can you lust your own body? Can you lust your own body? Mm -hmm. Aren't you one flesh when you get uh, married? Aren't you of the same body like Paul talks about? Yes. Right? Yeah. So no, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's wrong at all. And I think it's a good, healthy thing that there would be, you know, a desire for intimacy there. So. Okay. How about this one? All right. Panda Mommy is asking, do you have Torah clothing brand recommendations made from linen? I do not. Um, I know one friend um, on Facebook and I think she sells on Instagram. She goes by Jess Ann on Facebook. Maybe I can get her some sales. I, I see her selling um, linen items on her Instagram, but I don't know of any like specific brands. Um, and from what I understand, um, it can be kind of hard to find. So I don't know. Maybe that's a new burgeoning market that us Torah peeps need to, you know, get the corner on. Someone needs to start something like that. There's a question. That is not a lady, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> someone asking you a question. All right. Uh, Brian Allen says, I'm so glad Sean is there with you. I was interested in what this show is about. My wife, Robin, is listening as well. Question, are those in Sheol spirits or souls? Thank you too. Great. Okay. Um, so the show tonight is specifically ladies night. So I'm trying to just discuss female topics, uh, you know, from the biblical perspective. Um, so I won't be answering just regular questions on doctrine. So um, Sean has lots of videos on, what was that question about Sheol? Um, we have go to, um, we have so many resources about Sheol so far. Um, I would say, you know, I mean, as a quick answer, it depends on the translation. Some people call it spirit. Some people call it soul. It's interchangeable in the old Testament as far as translation goes, but it's, it's classified as a soul. Um, if you would go to, um, why did God create hell on my kingdom cast channel? And I go over it pretty thoroughly. And then you also can go on Kingdom in Context to season one of Enoch, of uh, Honor of Kings, season one, episode seven. I'm pretty sure we discuss in great detail on that one as well. All right. Do you want this one? Sure. Yeah, that's okay. fine. All right. Rachel is asking, how do you celebrate Shavuot? Um, so pretty much like all the other feasts that we celebrate while we're in the dispersion, obviously we can't do these things to the letter. So we obviously don't work. It's a Shabbat. That's the most important thing that we can all do no matter where we're at on the earth. We can not work that day. And Sean and I, you know, we, it's, it's a Sabbath. So we don't, you know, we won't have secular things on TV, you know, we'll try to listen to worship music and study the Bible. Um, sometimes we'll, you know, meet with friends, you know, over zoom and do a little Bible study there. Um, basically we take the day off and have a nice meal. Um, usually it's lamb. Um, and I try to incorporate like things from, 
you know, the scriptures. So, you know, we'll have wine and I'll make fresh bread and things like that. Uh, this year, I'll be actually trying to make um, specific decorations for Shavuot since I've got um, the YouTube channel that I started and I did Passover decor. I made a little shelf that I want to use all year round for the feast. So coming up, I'll be doing a couple different art projects for the Shavuot um, displays that I'll have in that shelf. So just things like that, pretty much um, you kind of, we're kind of on our own in the sense of what kind of traditions we're going to create for our families when it comes to keeping these feasts, you know, pre before the resurrection um, and before we're in the kingdom. Cause while we're dispersed, that's pretty much all we can do is take the day off, have a, have a, meal, you know, in remembrance, just like Tobit did. And that's pretty much it. So I don't know what they're asking. Um, Sandra, could you clarify your question? You're asking about the menstrual cycle cycle, but I don't know what you're asking about it. Um, so if you could, I know you're not yelling. I, we need them to be in all caps yep. so that we can see. When I'm scrolling through the chat, looking for questions, I can't tell if it's not, if it's a question, unless you put it in all capitalization. So that's how that's how it stands out from all the other comments. Where to get modest bathing suits? Oh, great question. Um, okay, so I found um, some really nice modest bathing suits on Amazon. Um, and, you know, I've had them advertised to me on Facebook all the time, you know, during that time of the year during the summer. Uh, so all I can say is I have found really nice modest swimsuits on Amazon. If you don't want to support Amazon, you could probably look at Etsy or you could just Google modest bathing suits. There is a whole um, industry of swimwear for Muslim women. So you could also look into Muslim swimwear. Obviously you don't necessarily have to, you know, buy the whole wetsuit and, you know, and do the hijab and everything, but there's some really awesome options actually from Muslim uh, bathing suit manufacturers for obvious reasons. Um, so that's what I would recommend. And as always, modest is hottest. <laughs> yes. And one other thing about that is, you know, it's modesty is something that's kind of subjective. So something that one, one woman in our crowd might find modest. Is it wrong not to wear a modest bathing suit? Yeah. So one, one woman might, what one woman might find modest, another might not. So ultimately it's up to you. I, for me personally, it is wrong to not wear a modest bathing suit. I personally am just not comfortable. I mean, years ago, the first time I, you know, gained weight, it was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be changing what I'm wearing to the beach and stuff like that. But even, you know, nowadays, especially, you know, I'm married, even before I was married, I definitely went through some things that made me want no attention from men out in public, you know? Um, so what I, what I do is I got myself a cute swimsuit from Amazon, but I didn't like, it's had a skirt, but I didn't like how short it was. So I actually had some, um, you know, dry fit, uh, capri pants, you know, they're like water capris. I just put those on underneath. So I'll have my shoulders showing. And for me, that's okay. Another woman might think that that's not modest to have her shoulders out. So it's really, I can't say for you what's right or what's wrong as far as your bathing suit goes. It's really up to you and your personal convictions. For me, I prefer to be covered, you know, to, to a certain extent, more covered than most of the women that are there in their bathing suits. So we have a caller. It's DJ Christina Marie. 
Hey, sister. Hi, can you all hear me? Yes. Awesome. Um, So my question is, I know from context that we're not called to necessarily lead men, but uh, my passion has always been music. And uh, I'm wondering, is it appropriate for me to continue to pursue being a DJ if you know, men are going to be in the audience and we're supposed to be up there and controlling an atmosphere. Is that appropriate? Uh, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that, uh, biblically speaking, because the context of women leading men is specifically in the church congregation mm -hmm. setting, not even just women teaching in the church. I mean, it's like in the actual hierarchy structure of the church is really where that because women that were encouraged is. to teach other women. Right. right. Yeah, because the women were right. teaching other right. women. And there were prophetesses. And, to men. Yeah. yeah, as far as leading and being the spiritual authority that people go and ask permission mm -hmm. for things and whatever, you know, that's not a woman's job. But if you're just, you know, uh, it, you're performing is what you're doing as a DJ. You're not leading. I mean, it feels like you're leading because you're the one who, you know, <laughs> in the crowd to, right? You know, I mean, you're the one who's like yeah. leading the vibe in the room, so to speak. But you're not up there teaching doctrine, right? I mean, yeah. that would be cool to maybe mix some scripture into your music. I don't know, but oh, definitely, not enough people are doing it for sure. Yeah. So no, I think you're totally fine. That's awesome. Not within the context of the verses, you know, it's establishing those boundaries. Cool. And one other one. Um, besides having children, are women seen less for not having children? Do you mean from the standpoint of scripture? Just, I mean, obviously applying scripture to reality is great, but, you know, there's so many women that can't. Is that seen as a, I mean, obviously, Satan has done a great job of deceiving women as putting it off till and thinking it's not important in life. Is that, yeah. is that uh, deception? I guess, how, how does that judgment play out in our reality obviously you're not god so you don't know but well i think god is one who opens and closes the womb so mm -hmm. i don't think he could ever choose not to open a womb and then look down on you know his daughter for not having ever born a child I'm at a time in my life right now, actually, where I would like to get pregnant. And I was one of those brainwashed women who was taught that the child-free life is the life that you want. And mm -hmm. I was programmed to a point of hatred of the idea of motherhood and fear and just, you know, that it's slavery. And so there's been a lot that's been, you know, needed to be worked out of my heart for me to get to a place where I'm ready for that. Now that I'm ready, it's taken me a little while and it's frustrating and it's something that uh you know i haven't even been trying for very long i don't i don't know how other women have done it for years and years and you know not um been able to have a baby and and still be so strong and stuff because it's only for me it hasn't been very long and i find the mind game that goes on with your thoughts and feeling i can tell you i've never felt less than a woman i'll, I'll tell you that like i've I have felt I've felt regret for things that I've done in the past that I didn't know any better and that now I want something. And, you know, what if it doesn't happen? And, you know, there were things that I did that I would take back if I could. So there, you know, there, there are all kinds of those emotions. But I I don't feel like less of a woman because I, you know, my conversation with God is like, hey, man, it's up to you. 
I mean, you're the miracle worker. You're the one who decides all this. So, you know, I can't, I can't be down on myself for my own body because it's, I have literally zero control over it. And then the opposite side of the coin is wanting to control it too much. Wanting to figure out, you know, the exact times, the exact dates, taking your temperature, all the essential oils, all the, you know, hormone drops, this and that. I mean, I've, it hasn't been very long and I've already been through that whole roller coaster. And I've come to a point of deciding I'm going to stop trying, quote unquote, like I'm going to stop obsessing over my body's figuring out my body and just let it do its thing and let God do his thing. And I tell myself every month, you know, when that time comes around, okay, well, I have my dogs and it's just, you know, this is one more month that I was on my own schedule, you know, and I, I try to, not in a negative way, I try to remind myself of the things that, okay, well, there are these things I can sit and wrap jewelry all day if I want. And I, I'm not interrupted by anyone, but my dogs. So, you know, I try to play the mind game back with my own mind and be like, okay, first of all, this has nothing to do with my value as a woman, my abilities as a woman, me accomplishing what God made me for. Um, I think in society, when I asked you, when you said, what does it look like? You know, is that looked down on when a woman can't have a, a child? And I asked you what, you know, in what context did you, did you mean that? Because society has put a stigma on that for generations. We all know that, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, we have Royal families that treat women like broodmares. I mean, this, there has been a real warped, um, idea of pregnancy and motherhood, you know, in the world at large, you know, for time immemorial. So yeah, society may have its issues. And I, but I think the biggest critics and the ones who judge the most are just ourselves. And that's the enemy talking. Absolutely. So hopefully One that helps. Sleep, right? Huh? <laughs> One more month of getting sleep. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I joke with him. I'm like, well, you know, I got my period again. So let's go get a bottle of wine. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight because I'm not pregnant. So, you know, I mean, it's, I kind of try to be like, not down about it. Cause when, when I was obsessing about it, it was actually taking all of the fun out of actually trying, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like more of a, just a schedule type thing. And I, I was like, no, I'm not, I can't, can't go down that path. <laughs> I'm not a quitter. His no. will, his will be done. Yes, you know exactly. Far greater than ours. Yeah. Can I offer some encouragement? Sure. Rebecca and Sarah were barren for a long time and the father had to open their wombs. Um, they were called righteous. I said that wrong. Uh, Sarah and um, Rachel. Rachel. And uh, and the father had to open their wombs after time, after lots and lots of trying years. Yeah. In Sarah's case, um, from what I can tell from the book of Jubilees, I mean, we're talking like 50 years. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the patience of Sarah. And yeah, yeah, that's all I just want to say. They were they were called righteous and they, they waited a long time without having conceived a child. So I don't think the father looks down on women that haven't conceived yet. No, I mean, if he's the one who makes that process happen, then, yeah, I don't think it's logical for him to. It's just it's just as illogical for him to give him the law and then say, all right, it's impossible to keep this and I'm going to kill you because you can't. You know, so, but it's been a few thousand years. I'm going to send my son to do away with it all. So you don't have to worry about it, guys. I mean, it's, you know, that's completely against his own character. So it would be the same with this topic. It's completely against his own character 
to be the one who ultimately chooses these things for us when this happens and then turn around and be like, bad daughter of mine, you, you're, <laughs> you haven't, yeah. I mean, what are we supposed to do? You know, like really what control over it do we really ultimately have? So. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You both have taught me a lot. So I appreciate your ministry. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for calling Thanks, in yeah. sister. Calling. Have a good evening. You too. All right. Christy is asking, is celebrating one's birthday unbiblical? Uh, you know, I, no, I I would say, are you trying to draw my attention to something over here? Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> um, Abraham celebrated both the conception oh. and the weaning of uh, Isaac. Right, right. Um, plus, they knew their birthdays, like mm -hmm. they all knew their dates of birth. Did they make a big cake and put candles on it and blow the candles out? Probably not. Did they go to Vegas and get drunk for seven days? Probably not. Right. You know, did they um, have, did they have a giant party for themselves where they rented out some, you know, dance hall and made it all about them for the whole day? And, you know, the come up in their limo and they're, you know, I mean, no, um, they didn't do those kinds of things, but clearly they were acknowledging how, how old everybody was. Jubilee and they were, and they had, you know, they record their birthdays and they had celebrations of different sorts. So no, I would say it's not wrong. I think it gets into that area of wrong and sinful when your motives are becoming about worship of self. And, you know, that's, I think we all, I think all of us with the spirit have the discernment to know when you've reached that level of a birthday becoming just about celebrating yourself and not just, you know, being thankful for another year or thankful for your partner, you know, I've never, I've never celebrated my own birthday. <laughs> yeah. I've let other people throw a celebration for me. True. Yeah. Um, I have celebrated my birthday, but it was going out and drinking, you know, going and getting free shots for, you know, my birthday, that kind of stuff now is like so far in my past. I, and I'm a really low maintenance type person you know i don't come to him like hey i want this and this and that for my birthday and he'll ask me what i want and i'm like mm, i think i need some new socks so no she's serious she said ser socks one year yeah well he's always on me about not wearing matching socks so i she told doesn't him wear matching socks. I, life is too short to worry about matching socks I, babe I'm, i keep telling you this i told him if he wants me to wear matching socks he needs to buy me a bunch of matching socks they're gonna be all gray but then they all get mixed up with all my other socks that I already had. So they just become mismatched anyways. <laughs> Bottom line is no, it's not wrong to, you know, have a, have a celebration and acknowledgement of a birthday. So next question. Deanna is asking, will ladies night be a regular thing in the future? Yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> That's the idea. I was saying at the beginning of the show that this is something that my sisters have been asking me to do something like this for a very long time. And I've never felt called to it. I've never felt led to do it. Never, and so if I'm not feeling called and led, I'm not comfortable and I'm not going to come put on a front. Um, I think you guys probably know I'm not someone who loves the camera and the limelight and trying to like be on talking to people on the tube every day. So I had to, God had to work on my heart for this. And I was in the shower last week and it started, you know, the whole idea for it started to come to me and I was feeling comfortable with the idea. And, but I still, 
you know, I'm not comfortable enough to commit to like every other week or anything like that. Um, I basically have said I'm going to do it as I feel led. So maybe like once every month or every other month. Um, it also also depends on Sean's schedule um, because I do want him here, you know, overseeing for these for me. Um, and so sometimes he doesn't have time to do the live stream on Fridays because he's getting ready for the Torah portions on Saturdays. So because I was busy all week with other stuff. Yes. So long and short answer. Yes, it will. Just not on an actual set schedule because I'm bad at commitment. <laughs> So the girl 30 is asking my fiance and my fiance and I have been together for six years and we have kids. We live like we are married. We are, we are not legally married. Should we go to the courthouse and get hitched? Marriage is scary for me. Okay. So first I want to say, Sean and I have a great video on biblical marriage. If you ever want to go watch it. Um, Sean and I, this is personally for us. We are in favor of people getting the marriage license and being legally married under the laws of the country. Um, and having a witness. And have, having a witness. We believe that it's biblical um, to to at least have a ceremony with a witness and an actual written mm -hmm. agreement and a written marriage covenant. So if you are, at, I mean, so I know some people are just adamantly opposed to, I don't know, getting their permission slip from the government if they think that's what it is. That's fine if that's you. If you want to write up your if, own Yeah, contract, if that's you, if you want to write your up your own your contract and things like that, I think there needs to be some sort of actual commitment, though. And lovingly, I would say, review your last statement there and then read everything that you said you're doing with your fiance. And then read that last statement again, because you're already living a married life, sis. So what you're telling me is that you want an option to be able to leave you want an option to be able to say nope never mind um if that's there that's something that you need to work out and figure out and discuss and maybe be honest with your fiance about it maybe he's got the same a lot of people were raised in a society that tells us to be terrified of marriage terrified mm -hmm. of commitment okay so yeah. i don't want you to feel like i think you're in any way abnormal um because you're actually probably the majority of people in this country at least mm -hmm. You know, her and her fiance could have been drawn to each other because they share that same disposition. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you both find it convenient that neither of you is really worried about, you know, getting that piece of paper. Um, ultimately, Sean and I can't say that the Bible requires you get a marriage license from the state. But personally, he and I would encourage you to. Um, you're acknowledging that you're, you know, you guys are already pretty much living like you're married and this is just the one final step. Um, also I would lovingly encourage you to think about if the man in this relationship is also one who's not, you know, into the marriage thing, that's an issue as well. I mean, if your man wants to keep the door open to, you know, possibly leave and not have to worry about a big messy divorce, you know, then that's something, you know, you need to be aware of. So, I would say, though, if you're already living with the guy and you got well, kids. At this point, I think in most states, they're already common law married. Yeah, married. So you know, I mean. Legally, you're, both of you are already bound to the same requirements. But um, ultimately, I think that in the side, having a witness on the side of someone that shares the faith with you, preferably someone that's an elder, um, you know, of the faith, someone that's mm -hmm. competent and knowledgeable in the faith uh, to oversee your covenant union. That's that's all I'm saying. I don't yeah. I'm not I'm not saying I would require you get a, a piece yeah. of paper from the state that you're in. Just um, biblically, it seems like there's 
There's a precedent set for someone that's an elder in the faith overseeing the union of you two and between the two of you having some sort of covenant written up that you both agree to. And, um, you know, yeah, at least commit to each other on paper. And if that's not a notarized paper from the courthouse, that's fine. But yeah. commitment on paper is something that we see in scripture and we would encourage you to at least do that. So hopefully that helps. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Is birth control biblical? What if someone can't afford to have more kids? <sighs> who, sa who says you can't afford to have more kids? <laughs> who told you that? Um. Yeah, gosh, I'm not sure if this is one that I have a whole lot of wisdom to offer on. I think certain forms of birth control that are referred to as birth control in our society are obviously not biblical. Okay, let's get that right out of the way. Um, abortion is treated as birth control in this country. Plain, all right. Plain, B plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Abortion is birth control. And I don't care what anyone <laughs> tries to say about it. That is how it's treated in our society. And so let's just get that right out of the way. Abortion and plan B, obviously, because that's after conception has already taken place. So I would have a clear stance on abortion and plan B. Um, the actual birth control pills, I'm not as knowledgeable on as far as saying if those are, um, I think the word is abortificant. I think I pronounce that properly. Um, obviously, you know, I'm, I've had experience with birth control through my life. I don't take it anymore. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about the pill. Um, but as far as other forms of birth control, you know, I really don't know. I, I'm not, I, I guess I can't say I have the same stance as the Catholic church where it's just wrong to even do fl family planning. Um, personally, you know, I, I, maybe I'm not mature enough there to, to, to say, just let God handle everything as far as the money goes and just have as many kids as your body will allow when well, what did the we finances will come. What did we talk about earlier? God opens a womb. Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying so I'm, I'm saying for me personally, at the place I'm at in my walk, I'm still immature enough that I don't, you know, I'm, I think about those things when I think about, and I, I getting pregnant, I think I was most comfortable with the idea of getting pregnant once we were in a place financially that I was like, Oh yeah, we can handle this. You know? So I don't know, like I'm, I'm going to be honest and say that I'm, you know, a baby on in the walk on the whole birth control topic. Like I just came to the point in my life where I realized like, yeah, it'd be cool to have a baby. So <laughs> I don't know if I can offer as much wisdom and counsel on that. So I would just say, you know, um, ask the father to increase your faith as far as if he's going to open your womb, then he's going to provide the finances for you to take care of that child. You know, when I was younger, I had a gentleman tell me, um, you know, many of you guys may or may not know this, but um, uh, Lindsay is my second marriage. And so when I was younger, um, my first wife became pregnant with my son, who's now 15. And we, uh, my boss, at the, or who was actually um, my mentor, if you will, at the time, he, you know, I told him, oh, hey, you know, so, you know, my wife got pregnant and he said, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Are you ready for your income to double? And I said, what? And he said, yeah, you're, yeah, just, this is the surefire way for your income to double is the father's going to take care of you even more now that you have a child. And he did. He did. So I just hope to encourage you. All right. County J is asking. 
Any thoughts on soul ties? I'm plagued by my past and my dreams. Um, you know, the word that that phrase soul ties, it's a secular phrase. It's a secular term. I've only ever learned about soul ties through my, um, the things that I was reading and doing in the occult. I was trying to break soul ties in all the Reiki and crystal resonance therapy sessions that I was doing. Uh, and guess what guys, I just had a dream about my ex the other night. Okay. Um, so I would say a, whatever stuff I was doing in the new age to try and cut soul ties was not working. And B, I'm not sure that dreams, you know, uh, that, that are plagued with things from your past or at all related to some sort of soul connection that you have to some other person who's in some other area. I think it's probably just got a lot more to do with things that are stored up in that tiny little room that a lot of us have in the very backs of our minds that we shove all the things that we don't want to think about. Um, I know that's, you know, how I, you know, explained to myself the dream I had the other night. I mean, I haven't dreamt, I haven't dreamt about that person in years. And then all of a sudden I had this dream that was like, beyond. It was vivid to the point where I was messed up the next morning from it and didn't even realize I was messed up from it until I was telling him about it. And he was like, that sounds, you know, pretty, you know, like, are you okay after? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine. Yeah. I don't think it bothered me at all. I mean, if I think about it too long, I could probably cry, but you know, and he just looks at me and is like, sweetie. And then all of a sudden the tears just, you know, it's those PTSD tears where you're not even realizing that you're actually physically crying. It's just your body's having a reaction, but that is related to my PTSD and my subconscious mind. So I wouldn't put too much stock into it being some kind of soul ties. I would encourage you to pray before you go to sleep. And if you're married to a believing praying man, have him pray with you and over you before you go to sleep as well. Um, that's something that sometimes, you know, I forget to pray over my dreams, you know, before I go to sleep and then, you know, things happen. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, I actually wrote a song several years ago about about uh, it's a prayer asking the father to uh, speak to me while I'm asleep. So if there's anybody that I want, to, like all the prophets in the scriptures, when they had these visions, they would go to sleep or many times they would have a vision yeah. where they were while they were asleep at night. They would have a very vivid dream. That was a vision from God telling them something. So ask him to speak to you at night, not any other bad memories, unclean spirits, none of that other yeah. stuff. Um, ask him to because, I mean, ultimately, it's like making the best use of that time possible. Right. Yeah. Your active mind is, is out of commission. Your body's rejuvenating. He's already going through the natural process through his spirit in your body to, to give you more strength, to reju rejuvenate your body. And I am, you know, I just I wrote my song that may may you speak to me while I'm asleep. Just nourish my spirit while, I'm, you know, while I am sleeping. Make the best. Yeah, use or of even time. playing audio Bible. You sure. know, if you're the type that is OK with having sound on to lull you to sleep, you know, put the audio Bible on. That's a great thing to have in your subconscious mind as you're drifting off. So. Okay, so a couple people are still asking about the birth control question. Um, someone else is trying to clarify. This is Rose. She asked her first one. She's trying to clarify a little bit. Oh, um, so yeah, family planning, you know, that's, I was trying to say, like, I'm, you know, I'm so immature in my own walk that I would say I don't see an issue with family planning as far as, you know, what times a month you're engaging in, you know, intimacy with your spouse. Um what do you think about this statement, sweetie? 
Yes, the pill isn't the only option, though. You can track your cycles and skip the fertile days. Yes, so that would be what we refer to as family planning. Because um, as, as it turns out, I've learned there's actually only a few days a month that a woman is actually fertile and can get pregnant. It's so funny when you're actually trying. It's all of a sudden it's yeah, hard. <laughs> when you're when you're 18, any day of the week. You yeah, get you know, it's but crazy Not when you're later in life. Yeah. Back when you're like not ready and all that stuff, it's you know, you're whoever you're with looks at you the wrong way and you're pregnant. But yeah, once you actually want to. <laughs> so I know I don't personally think family planning is wrong. Um, if you're not using birth control that, you know, causes um, destruction, you know, of life in the womb. Um, I'm not sure that I can say that that's sin. I don't see anywhere in scripture that says it's sin. So that's that. <laughs> okay. Well done. 25 is asking. Is it okay to make vows to each other? Girl Scouts, marital, military pledge, the flag, et cetera. Um, yes. We just have to remember that we have to hold to our vows. I mean, we see people making vows to each other in scripture um, all the time. And there's, there's marriage vows. Um, technically, you make a vow anytime you sign a certain kind of a, con you know, any kind of contract. You know, if you're yeah. any kind of contract, you're making a vow. That's why the father told them not to make contracts with Canaanites. Yeah. Because he expects them to uphold it. And he did uphold it with, uh, I think it was Gibeon. Um, and even though. They broke the rules right. and they shouldn't have made a contract with them. Uh, a covenant with them is the same concept. And, um, but yet the father required them to uphold that even though they weren't supposed to. Yeah. So the thing is be careful with your vows. Yes. So it's not wrong to make a vow, but if you're not going to stand by that vow, do not make that vow. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> this is what I was afraid of. People getting way too technical. Not to still seed. Spill. Spill seed. Onan, um, no, yeah, that verse, that verse doesn't sit. That verse is not a commandment. Thou shalt not on a blanket across the board. Yeah, Onan, context to that story. Yeah, Onan was supposed to be fulfilling the commandment to give his brother's widow a child. Onan accepted right. the responsibility of the commandment to take his brother's widow yep. and inseminate hers to carry on the family name of his brother. He vowed but, to do that. But when he actually conjugated with her, that's when he pulled out and didn't impregnate her. And that was why it was called wicked. Right. There's, so, con there's context according to the Torah. I mean, that's a, that's a great uh, Torah apologetics proof right there. Cause Onan right. is disobeying Torah. That's only outlined in Deuteronomy. Yeah. Therefore, because that's, they were practicing that way before Mount Sinai. So yeah. 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 So uh long answer no and short answer. Short. short answer no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you see any, let me know. Yeah, um, we're looking for more questions. Yeah. So it's uh in like an hour, so it's up to you. All right, so it looks like panda mommy. Doesn't that necessarily mean the man can have more than one wife? Well, yeah, of course. Men can have more than one wife in scripture. And this is the, this is the only time in scripture where there is a command involving a man having to do that. Um, to take there, There's a, a instruction on the circumstances for him having more than wife. 
Yes. And there's there's not a command for men to marry multiple well, women. Well, no, I'm saying, no, I'm talking about in the instance of a brother and his I know, me too. That's widow. The, that's the, but isn't he supposed to marry her? He doesn't just get her pregnant. If he can say no, she and then she gets to slap him and throw the sandal right him. but i'm asking if he says yes to that oh you, i see what you're saying he's not commanded he doesn't have to go he, marry there's her. no command right. for a man That's to take right. two wives yeah. whether he can through say the, no through the widow scenario or yeah. through just his own you're lust. right see this is why i have here guys the, this is <laughs> there's there's one man one woman were created that's the general census that's the plan for the, for the father for us to procreate the caveat all right which is the backup plan is if some dude dies and his brother's still alive and the widow hasn't had children that's the backup plan for him to take a second wife and in that backup plan, he should not show favoritism to the first wife or the second one and withhold from any other one. He's supposed to to fulfill the responsibilities of a husband. So, But there is no command for men to take more than one wife. Yeah, and he's not supposed to do that unless he can financially afford to support both of them and all of that. So, um, And I would just say, just because he can doesn't mean he should. When it comes to this particular topic of polygamy or polygyny, whatever you want to call it, just because it's allowed doesn't mean it's advised, doesn't mean it's wise. Right. And every instance of it, we see a lot of turmoil mm -hmm. and inner conflict and drama and just mo wives, mo problems. So, and, and you know, it turns out being painful for the kids. You know, I'm sure it sucked mm -hmm. for Ishmael to be sent away, you know. Can the father take that painful situation and make wonderful things. Of course. Yes, of course. Yes. This is where we get the 12 patriarchs, the sons of Jacob. Of course he can. Um, but can it also lead to the downfall of a nation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, so one man, one woman, that's what God created. That's your precedent. That's what we recommend. Yeah. Okay. What will be women's role in heaven? So this is something that Sean and I, you know, we've talked about, we're not, we're not certain of, I mean, we will be new creations, so we won't be obviously female human women, um, but we're pretty sure we'll still be resurrected women. Like we, all of us women aren't going to somehow, you know, I think I'm going to look the way I look mm -hmm. probably, hopefully, you know, in my twenties or something like, hopefully, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking our new bodies will be maybe younger, but I mean, I'm, I think that's what we all hope for. But, you know, I don't I don't know that women will have separate roles as far as I mean, we're not going to be like the homemakers bearing the children, obviously. So roles will change there. I mean, we're going to be part of a priesthood. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I honestly can't say what that's going to look like post-resurrection for the Melchizedek priesthood. All we get, you know, for that, as far as imagining it, is what the angels in heaven do. Right. And they're, and they're all male. And they're all male. And they all, you know, so. So I don't know. But you'll be made higher. In you'll be higher than the angels, right? Higher in authority than an angel even. Yeah. So therefore, there's a hierarchy. For example, there's someone in the chat, Scott Level, Scott Level Realm, was saying that I've previously said that women will be equal forever. Mm -hmm. But no one's equal in the kingdom, Scott. That's that's the difference we're trying to say. Um, as far as uh, all of the resurrected saints in Scripture are made in, in the Melchizedek order under Yeshua, and that is given more authority in Hebrews one than even the angels in heaven because we're put into a priesthood. The angels have already their own hierarchies of priesthood, right? This is why you got the seven hierarchy, the seven archangels um, listed off in Enoch. Um, they're the top of that priesthood. Yeshua as a resurrected from mankind into this new creation is made greater in his, his bodily capacity, having the law of God in his heart. So he never sins as well as his authority in the kingdom is greater than even Michael and this and the seven archangels of heaven and the, at the top layer of heavenly priesthoods. 
women will be stepped into that as well. So technically they won't be equal with everybody in heaven. Um, what will the literal job function be in that priesthood? Well, I don't know, to be honest, there's a lot of different yeah. concepts. I mean, we had women that's, that served in the temple in a variety of capacities. Were they physically the one that brought forth the, the fellowship meals to the father? No, they weren't. So I don't know if one will be doing that, but there's a ton of other things that women can do to minister, including prophesy, including be scribes, including to teach other women. And there'll be plenty of, of women being rebirthed in the new millennium for them to, to work with. I'm hoping that I get to do something that involves the engraving of the stones, breastplate <laughs> or something involving the stones. <laughs> I think I think your house in New Jerusalem will have like it'd be on the on the side of a mountain and there'll be a, a cave behind you. Yeah, that I can just you, you can go dig crystals. Yeah, I just out of the dig cave crystals forever. anytime I want. And then you'll be and able there's to just make, like an infinite amount right. there. I can just keep digging. That would be your heaven. <laughs> that would be my heaven. It really would. And I'll be over there doing Taekwondo with Michael. I saw a Taekwondo with Michael. <laughs> I saw a comment in here that I wanted to pull up because I thought it was valuable. Let's see here. Okay. So Jane was responding to the topic we were talking about vows. She says, I also think it's important to look into the origin of the organization or group that is requiring vows because the spiritual power of anything is related to its origins like yoga. I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, how do I take this off the screen? Click it again. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're making a vow to your Masonic lodge down the street, Right. Yeah, you might want to know a little bit about that organization, uh, especially if you call yourself Christian. Um, I guess we assumed people wouldn't be making vows to nefarious organizations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just to, I mean, I guess good it's good to clarify yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it depends on, you know, who you're making that vow to. Um, Janie Lee has a question. Okay. Are men and women equal? I understand our roles are different, but are we equal in God's eyes? Absolutely. We all, we all matter to him. Um, I, you know, I, yeah, yes, we're equal in God's eyes. We're equal in value. We have different roles. Uh, we have different positions when it comes to hierarchy and authority within the family structure. Um, but we're equal. This is what Paul alludes to when he talks about in Romans that there's neither Greek mm -hmm. nor uh, uh, Jew, Jew, nor male, nor female yeah. in Christ, because he values us all the same. Now, yes, we are placed in different roles of responsibility according to our deeds, according to our, our designations, but yeah, he loves us all equally and values us all equally. Hallelujah. Yes. <clears throat> Guys, I, something I, I want to remind the women, um, because we just had this question about, you know, how does, how does the father and the son look at us? How, what's the idea of women in heaven? Women were made as the final thing in all creation. Best for last, right? ladies. It works well, right? Women literally caused the angels to sin <laughs> um, because the, the angelic males were not given wives. This is <clears throat> this is a huge deal, guys. Wives this, are special, unique creations. Very, this is ridiculous. No one big. else in creation. Think is about this, this for one second, guys. All of creation for seven days, for six days, all things were being made. Who knows how many countless millions, if not billions of angels were made in the six layers of heaven above. And on the seventh layer on the earth plane where we live and closed by the firmament on the second day, mankind was made and mankind was placed in authority over all the animals in his realm. And then mankind was given a wife. That was not a, that concept of a mate being given to um, someone that looked like a man who was made in the image of God. Angels are also made in that same image. Mm -hmm. They didn't get anything like that. This was a huge deal yeah. to the point where 
some of the some of the angels couldn't handle it. Yeah. They couldn't handle their test of obedience, which was that they were not appointed wives. This is what's explained to us in First Enoch ten through fifteen, which is what one of the reasons that caused them to actually rebel. The the two hundred of them that did. Right. Um, so the idea that not only a woman was made and given to man, that's crazy from an angelic standpoint. That's like a special thing, right? Yeah. That's a that's an amazing thing. Then from an eternal standpoint, that 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 man and woman could then be glorified and put in greater authority than them yeah. when they were there watching all of creation happen after day one. Boy. Yeah. And man Boy. and woman could procreate and have their own offspring to make which more clearly women? seemed like something, you know, the angels also wanted to be able to do. So to me, guys, this this is like, um, you know, I think, you know, the enemy wants to devalue women. At, in in everything, right? Every time there's a twisting of doctrine, it tries to devalue women in some regard. Every time a country or a culture tries to oppress a people group, they always start with women. It's just it's horrible. Uh, the, Satan, right? Azazel, he goes after the woman first, right? Because you're special. That's that's the they're very special. You're special, sweet. Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's see here. All right. Sherry is asking, does father recognize a marriage if it has not been consummated, if it is on paper only? I mean, in scripture, it looks like the consummation is part of the marriage contract, you know, process. So, yeah. Yeah. This weird idea that um, <clears throat> mankind um, was, excuse me, I, I need some more water. I'm losing. I can get I'm starting some. to cough. You go no, ahead. I got some here. I just. Oh. Yeah, the contracts are part of it. God does contracts in heaven. There's Bibles in heaven. Like it, it, he's not afraid of people writing stuff down. In fact, it's a part of his system. It seems like he mm -hmm. he instituted it when he actually did the covenants and he wrote down the covenants and he told people to learn and memorize the covenants. Those are contracts, guys. Same thing with a man and woman want to do a covenant. This is why we see this precedent for it in scripture. <clears throat> Jeez, go ahead, sweetie. Take over. It's your show. I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> um, well, I think you were talking about contracts and not consummation. Consummation is intimacy. Um, if the marriage has not been consummated, that's if it's on paper only. Yeah, I'm that sorry. means I'm they. Sorry. I'm so sorry. They went to the courthouse and they signed a paper, <laughs> or they had a ceremony and they signed their paper, but they. I'm never sorry, I misunderstood the question. I apologize. Okay. I apologize. Um, does the father recognize a marriage if it's not been consummated, if it's on paper only? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was saying that seems to be part of the process, but I also don't have a scripture for you that says, and by the way, if a man gives a, uh, if a man gives his daughter to so you know, a son and he, they don't, there's nothing that gives us any instruction on that particular scenario. So I would say if you guys are committed to each other, right. you're living together and you're paying the bills together and you're living, you know, according to the contract you made. Yeah. You also have to keep in mind, um, Yeshua talks in Luke, uh, in Matthew 19 about, uh, eunuchs who made themselves that way. Mm -hmm. And so there were eunuchs in the old Testament and many of them could have easily been married. And there, you know, depends on the couple, I suppose, and whether or not they consummate it, because it seems to be two parts of the process. But if one part of you know, a marriage contract that's uh, affirmed by the family and then the actual consummation, but if one part of that contract isn't 
upheld, the other part's not nullified either. So, for example, if the father refuses, but the, they run away together, God still views them as married in their eyes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they're consummating and starting a family, going off and doing their thing. So, it, to me, it's more like, did the two people agree to be, you know, with each other, be faithful and to support each other, start a family? That they can, now, if they physically can't because he may have suffered some sort of injury, you know, this could be why the father says sure. for the newly married people in Torah, for the men, don't go to war in the first year, stay home, enjoy your wife. Um, you know, you're more probability at that point to have kids if you spend the first year with her before you go off to war, possibly lose a limb, the wrong limb. Um, so the point is, like, I, I think, you know, you can still 100 percent be committed to somebody and want to live the rest of your life with them, but maybe have a physical impairment through uh, battle, war, accident, whatever, and maybe not be able to consummate. Just depends on the two people, two partners. There's yeah. lots of people that are, you know, in wheelchairs that can't have normal conjugation and they get married. Yeah. So, so I guess we would say, yes, the father would recognize a marriage that way, but it, it, certain circumstances, I mean, if two people are just got married for tax benefits and they're both out, you know, breaking the commandment not to commit adultery, you know, they're consummating with whoever else, that's not a marriage that I think the father would recognize. Um, but yeah, under the circumstances Sean and I talked about, I think he would. All right. See Mary at the bottom. Okay, good. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't hear about Sabbath intimacy, but may have missed it. Great question. Ask again. Uh, yeah, I didn't see any question about Sabbath intimacy. Sean and I have talked about this in our How Do We Keep the Sabbath video. Uh, short answer, no, don't do it. Um, you guys should all know by now that we include Jubilees in our, you know, what we consider the law of God. And Jubilees is pretty clear. Um, intercourse makes a person unclean at that time. If their intercourse had taken place, um, those people were rendered unable to go sure, to, go to the tabernacle. And, um, it seems that, you know, that was the, that's what was done on Shabbat. They were congregating in that area, um, to keep and celebrate the Shabbat and bring their, their sacrifices and things like that. So, um, yeah, we, Jubilees is really clear, but uh, a case can be made without Jubilees and it just has to do with uncleanness. And also just the very, to me, people really struggle with this particular topic and I don't understand it because to me, that is one action on the Sabbath that I feel like completely removes your focus from A, the father, B, rest, um, and C, things that are, you know, <laughs> Of, you know, holy. And I don't know. I feel like if you're just solely focused on you and your members and your, your spouse's members and, you know, pleasing carnal desires, I kind of feel like, how can anyone say that that's a set apart action to do on the Sabbath? That's not something that can be done any other day. Um, and it's just as special on those other days. So yeah, I, no sex on Shabbat. Check out our milk and meat playlist. How do you, uh, how do we keep the Sabbath? Yes. It's in our milk and meat playlist. We go over it in greater, great detail with lots of scriptures. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Truth Tiger is asking, should women work a paying job outside the home? Um, so the question itself is kind of setting me up for failure either way. I don't know if I would word the question that way. Um, 
I guess I would say, is it wrong or a sin for women to be working outside the home? I see nothing in scripture that would confirm that, yes, it's a sin for women to work outside the home. Um, we are in so much of a different society and culture these days and economy um, that I think people that have a hard line stance on women not working are kind of unrealistic. Um, I, you know, I, I don't personally understand how you can, um, if money is not an issue, I guess you could have a hard line on it and say, you know, that rich man shouldn't be allowing his wife to work if you really want to be a Pharisee about it. But, uh, Proverbs 31 is pretty popular in all Christian crowds. So I kind of, you know, let's read it together. Yeah. I want to go and look at this and says, what my son and what son of my womb and what son of my vows do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys Kings. It's not for Kings. Lemuel. It's not for Kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire intoxicating drink. Otherwise they drink and forget what's decreed and pervert the rights of all the needy God intoxicating drink to one is perishing and wine to another whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his troubles no more. Open your mouth for the people who cannot speak for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously and defend the rights of the poor and needy. An excellent wife who can find her for her worth is far above jewels. Her heart, the heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil. All the days of her life, she looks for wool and linen and works with her hands in delight. She's like a merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still night and gives her food to the household and portions to her attendants. She considers a field and buys it. Guys, she's a real estate broker. <laughs> she's not only going to the market to buy things that makes her family happy, but she's a real estate broker. Yeah. From her earnings, what is that? Is yep. that is that a, an allowance that her husband gives her? No, that's her earnings. She plants a vineyard. Now she's in agriculture and specifically a vineyard. Now she's a winemaker. So she surrounds her waist with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her profit is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. So she's generous with her earnings and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow. Her household for all her households are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them. Sounds like she's working outside the home. Now to me. she's doing retail. <laughs> Ladies, a winemaker. She's doing real estate. Now she's doing clothing retail. Um, she she supplies belts to the tradesmen. <laughs> she's not just selling to women either. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Guys, that's Torah. Yep. That is Torah. She teaches Torah to other women, 100%. She watches over the activities of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is in vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Hallelujah. So I think that really, honestly, I feel like that one proverb should just clear everything up as far as the question of it. Um, yeah, I think it's it's okay for women to work outside the home. It's okay for women not to work outside the home. I think, uh, you know, we are equals in the sense that we have that choice. Um, so, all right. So we do have uh, Andrea there. If you click that one. All right. Andrea is asking, can you go over at Nida Laws, washing couch, bed, anywhere you sit, etc." cetera. Um, so would you go to, is that Leviticus 15? Yeah. So for those who may not know, Nida is a, a Hebrew word um, and it's typically, it's a, 
it refers to specifically a Jewish practice, a Jewish practice of um, certain restrictions being kept uh, during the seven days of the menstrual cycle. Um, so let's see here. Can you scroll down to the... Sure. Yeah. Which I guess you navigate to where you need to go. Is there a, what specifically are we we wanting to go over here? What's the question? So Nida, the the practice of Nida is what women what women are wanting to talk about and understand. And the practice of Nida is in Judaism. Mm -hmm. um, they take all of these instructions about what makes someone unclean. I want to point out to you guys that there actually aren't any instructions for. Uh, not sitting on the same couch, not sleeping in the same bed, washing things down after you're done so that your husband doesn't become unclean. But Judaism believes that those are the things that women have to do. Um, a lot of times um, a Jewish wife will, she has, she'll, if she doesn't sleep on the couch, she'll have like a whole separate bedroom that she'll sleep in for that time. She won't sit on the same, any furniture that her husband sits on. She won't, they won't shake hands with uh, men, um, all kinds of stuff. So right off the bat, I want to let sisters know that the practice of Nida is a Jewish tradition. It is not instructed here in scripture. So let's go down here. All right. When a woman has a discharge, if her discharge, oh, and we're in Leviticus 15, starting in verse 19. Do you want to put it on the screen? Yeah. How do I do that? Just press the, um, press the second one to the right. If you just want your here? face on there, if you want the whole that your face not on there and you want the whole thing bigger, press the far right. Okay. All right. Okay. If her discharge in her body is blood, she shall continue in her menstrual impurity for seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Notice all it says is whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. It doesn't say don't touch her. It just says whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. So that person knows that they can't go to the tabernacle before they're clean at evening. Everything also on which she lies during her menstrual impurity shall be unclean, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean. <laughs> Anyone who touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Notice there's nothing being said here about washing the bed. It's about the person who touches the bed. Whoever touches any object on which she sits... Ugh, <laughs> I don't know what's up with my voice today. I've got a lisp all of a sudden. Demon whoever does. whoever touches any object on which <laughs> she sits. It's the she before it that's getting me. This is getting crazy, baby. Shall, I, never, I never read this part, this version Shall of wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Okay. So again, it's not telling us that they're not to sit on the same objects or uh, furniture. It's And it's not saying the furniture is what needs to be cleaned afterwards. It's saying the person who becomes unclean washes their clothes and they are unclean until evening. Whether it be on the bed or on the thing on which she is sitting when he touches it he shall be unclean until evening if any man actually sleeps with her so that her menstrual impurity is on him he shall be unclean seven days and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean so she's clarifying as well look at her clarification what she specifically want to ask about this okay <laughs> question do like do i have to wash all that every month no no sister um Okay, first of all, we've got, I mean, they, I mean, they had menstrual things back then. A lot of people think they didn't even have menstrual rags back then, but they had ways of containing that. But I, we have much better ways nowadays. Um, 
So no, I mean, I would encourage you to wash your sheets if they get dirty, but just simply laying on the bed while being on your menstrual cycle. No, you are not required to wash all that stuff. And also you're, you know, whoever's sitting on things, they're not required to wash their clothes either because this is in relation to them being unclean and thus unable to approach the tabernacle. So it's good to be clean. It's good to have good hygiene. If, if your husband actually gets dirty somehow and there's something that actually needs to be washed off, yeah, he should wash his clothes. But otherwise, no, um, I, I really hope this helps some women understand that this practice of nida that a lot of us see talked about in a lot of our Torah groups, um, that is a Jewish tradition. So no, we just read it. You, there's nothing here that says anything about washing those uh, the furniture or the sheets or anything afterwards. It's about the person who has become unclean and that person needs to be clean to approach the tabernacle. So there's a lot of caveats here that need to be kept in mind. Um, on, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I agree with you as, as far as the context of them coming before the temple, this is the biggest reason yeah. for them to be unclean, but yes, yeah, some of the physical vessels can be, can be come. Um, they just need to be washed. That's the only, that's the only problem. Thing. So like anything, if you had a cut and you were bleeding or if you had some sort of, you know, people wash their sheets when they get dirt on them. Like, you know, of course, we want to keep things uh, to a level of cleanness. But while we're in dispersion, we don't have to appear before the temple. So I, I guess hopefully what you're trying to say is not to stress like you're somehow yeah. in sin. Yeah. Because of just your bed gets dirty because it's your time of the month. Or like, and not to worry about having a different chair for that time right. of month or having a different bed or not. I mean, I've seen women who say they don't hug or kiss their children, their male children for the whole seven days that they're on on their cycle. So or their husband. And I, you know, there, there's nothing that instructs us to live that way in scripture. It's all related to the tabernacle. And just as the caveat and just so everyone's clear, cleanliness and hygiene is good. And I will always encourage you, if there is something that needs to be washed off, please take the sheets and wash the sheets. Okay. If there's something on clothes or a, a couch that needs to be scrubbed off, okay, pull out the cleaner, get your whatever and scrub it off. All right. Um, but if you just, you know, if you just touch an object, don't think that all of a sudden now that object is contaminated and your husband can't touch it and you need to wash it or, or whatever. So hopefully I'm making sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a unique question we see pop up a lot. And I know that most of the questions we're, we're taking from women. Um, but this one is about female angels. So this is. Oh, asked so you quite get to pick times. questions on my show, huh? You've picked questions. A on question from a guy might i add no this is other people have been asking that is this not too. a lady <laughs> right just as a real quick because i've never actually answered okay. this on any stream i've done so be my guess i will get you some more water actually sure, while you're doing great that. guys this is very very simple the whole vision of the flying scroll is about wickedness that was being taken to babylon zachariah uh, being in that that same generation of of israelites that are being scattered both northern and southern house um, and many of them going to assyria also babylon and so the vision is of a woman who's called wickedness sitting in a basket and other women with stork wings, not seemingly not eight regular angel wings come up and in this vision, fly this basket holding this woman that's called wickedness to a pedestal in Babylon, in, which is called Shinar in that, in that passage and then set up top that. And then that's creates the idol. So this is where it's uh, transferring this idea of wickedness represented through 
a woman done through, you know, in, in a vision of angel, angel like women, but they're not they're, um There's no verse that says that women are made of angels. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the pause. My wife forgets that the bathroom door is loud and she, she opens it. And, anyway, so, um, yeah, it's there's no there's no verse that tells you that there's any women anywhere. Um, this is it, what it does tell you in First Enoch is that um, all the in Jubilees and First Enoch, it says that all the angels were made male and circumcised at birth and that in First Enoch. God, Yahweh, the Almighty, the Creator, is reprimanding the angels for taking wives because he said they were not appointed wives. So these are there's the idea of a female angel is in it, from all my understanding of all the scriptures or the all the books I've ever read about scripture that that is an occultic idea. That is an, a perversion of what a true angel is. This is why if you try to look up angels, it's all female angels. Um, it, you have to actually type in specific searches to try to find regular male angel angels. It's pretty crazy. That's that shouldn't be you know, your proof, your proof is in the scriptures that the vision in Zechariah five is talking about wickedness and they were worshiping Ishtar, the queen of heaven. They were worshiping um, a female representation of idolatry. Um, that's the representation of ISIS. So this is um, why it's a female who's being put on as an idol on a pedestal and being carried with female angels, uh, if you will, which actually are, they're called stork wings, but you know, it's kind of interesting because no angels ever called to have a stork wing, you yeah. know, and so storks it, are what unclean? Uh, yeah, it's an unclean animal. So it's like the whole thing is the idea that it's um there would be no reason for angels not to be appointed wives and to be specifically told that and be in trouble for taking human women if they already had their own kind and their own women to, right. to intermarry and breed with. They yeah. weren't on appointed marriage. This is why women are special. So all right. This is a good question. I actually was kind of hoping that it was coming. <laughs> so have you changed your ideas on head coverings? Um, no, I haven't. Um, in my testimony that I share about head covering, I hope I did a good job of explaining that for me, head covering, it doesn't come from a place of thinking that it's actually commanded in scripture. I cannot make a case that there's any command in the five books or Jubilees or anywhere else um, that says, um, women must cover their heads. Um, I certainly believe it was a cultural thing. Absolutely. Um, I, it's clearly a cultural thing during Paul's time because he's addressing the whole topic of it. Um, for me, covering came about as something that I think it started because of those verses in Corinthians. And it, it gave me the idea to cover my head when I was reading my Bible or when I was praying. I just I kind of just felt moved to do that. But I started to be drawn to covering for the ideas of modesty. Um, and then after I covered for the first time in public, I started covering because it made me feel very safe because um, the way that men treated me was like completely different. It's I don't know if it affects them on a spiritual level or a subconscious level, but there's something that's different when my hair was covered and I was, I, I was, you know, received more respect and I wasn't getting flirted with and stared at and things that made me. Except for me. Well, 
Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. But maybe it was just attracting the right type of attention. Right. Why well, attracted you and totally through Facebook anyways. But anyways, so I started covering uh, really because of the sense of security it brought me when I was out by myself. Uh, you know, I've got PTSD. I had PTSD from, uh, you know, a lot of you know that I'm a survivor of sexual assault. So there was a big, you know, inner turmoil that I would experience every day I went out just to do any normal errands, you know, because I just was so afraid being around men everywhere and covering changed, you know, how I felt in public. And so that was the reason that I started covering. And for me, you know, it was really a security blanket. And also it helped me with modesty and vanity. And I spent a lot less time, you know, pruning and preening in, you know, the mirror. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't really type to do that a whole lot. Anyways, I've always been kind of lazy when it comes to things like that. But the little bit that I did, I had to do even less, um, you know, and so and then it was also something that was kind of like something on my head constantly to remind me of, you know, my relationship with the father and all of those great benefits. Um, Sean came into my life and I continued covering um, pretty full time. Anytime I left the house, um, I was covered. Eventually, I started to feel more comfortable that if I left the house with Sean, I didn't feel like I needed to cover because men, obviously, they don't they're not trying to flirt with me and stuff when I'm with my husband. Um, so I started, you know, we'd go out on dates and I would do my hair for a date and things like that. Um, and just over time, I've come to feel a sense of security um, where I'm, I don't feel like I need to cover my hair completely. I still, if I go out without Sean, I still do a partial cover. Um, I don't know if it's a comfort or a conviction. I, I can't say either way, God's leading me to do this or not. I don't know. I feel better having something on my hair, pulling it back and covering it a little bit when I go out without my hubby. But for the most part now, I don't cover like I used to. I also don't work out the side of the home anymore. So that was another thing, you know, um, I, you know, putting my covering on was part of my daily routine before going to work. I stopped covering my hair at work right before I quit um, because it was a, a small business. Um, and the only man there was my boss. And my boss is my boss is kind of like was like a dad to me in a a weird, often, <laughs> a weird, painful way. We went through a lot of growth together in the four years I was working there. And, you know, he was learning how to actually have employees. I mean, he was just getting to a point where he could start hiring a crew when I came along. So there was a lot of growing pains, but he was the only man in my office. It was all my girlfriends there that, you know, I'm very close with them. So I was starting to feel comfortable going to work without my hair covered either. So yes and no, as far as like my ideas on covering are still there. Like I still feel better with at least a partial covering when I go out without my husband, but I'm pretty much with my husband all the time now. And I just feel a sense of security with him that, you know, Paul, the disciple says Sean has karate too. Yes. <laughs> well guys, Sean. you know, it's, you know, I don't, I don't just randomly hit anyone that, that looks lovingly at my wife, but, no, um, but he definitely, I mean, I, I, I pray for them feel... as I choke them out. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. I, I don't, um, I feel very safe with my husband out with me. Yes, he's been. And it's not karate. It's actually Taekwondo. Um, I took karate for two years. He's done Taekwondo since he was seven. Um, yeah. So anyways, that's where I'm at on head covering. Um, 
So pretty much still the same idea. I don't think it's commanded, uh, but I don't see anything wrong with it. And if you feel a conviction to do it, absolutely follow the conviction. I had lots of benefits from covering just within my own personal emotions and my mental health and uh, all that. So um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. <clears throat> any other questions? Okay, well, can I scroll a little bit? You go too fast. <laughs> okay, all right. Jeez. Scroll away. Scroll slow away. Okay. Also, I do like to like I'll, read people's comments a bit. Sure. Maybe I'll just provide the. <laughs> Stacy, um, you can rewatch the live stream when it's uploaded. We did go over mm -hmm. this. Um, short answer is not necessarily, but we there should be papers. They may, don't have to be notarized papers from the United States government, but you need a marriage contract. Rewind the thing. We explain yeah. greater detail. Rewind. You can also go to our playlists, um, our milk and meat playlists mm -hmm. and check out. We have a whole episode we did on biblical marriage. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I think also that our care of menstruation has had some technological advances too. So that helps. I've often thanked the father that I have so many modern conveniences. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think personally, I don't think it was probably as bad and dirty as a lot of us have been taught to picture it, you know, like they were so, um, clearly they could clean up well enough to yeah. come before the presence of God. Yeah. That's you know, like pretty, they were high standard. Yeah. Like they were, you know, somewhere between cavemen and troglodytes on the, they, they, the intelligence they, spectrum, you know, like, you mean you're saying they weren't like, that. yeah. Like people like we're, we're taught to think these were just uneducated shepherds out in a field somewhere, you know, like, um, and I'm not saying all of us actually think those things, but those thoughts are put into our brain, you know, and that's a kind of a lens that we end up looking at the Bible through and thinking, you know, that it, I think they probably had a lot more hygiene practices than we may realize um, in modern times. But Echo Eden says, I agree with how men treat you differently while wearing head coverings. It feels so different and I feel more comfortable now covering my head. Absolutely. That's where I was at. I went uh, to the grocery store with my head covered that for the first time. And it was like, I was hooked after that. You know, I was a single woman, you know, and I wasn't, I was not on the market. I wasn't, I was the opposite of looking for dating. I was, you know, walking around like that. I was, you know, get a second dog single. Okay. <laughs> So, um, but then I also had all those, you know, anxieties and, you know, issues with the PTSD and stuff that, yeah, the head covering really made a big difference. All right. I was wondering if it's wrong for women to lead Bible studies or teach. So Sean and I have talked about this. We, I think we even talked about it in this tonight, tonight, didn't we? Yeah. Um, it's under, it's within a proper context. So Sean, and I believe the Bible shows a pretty clear hierarchy, a structure of authority within a church, a congregation, a body of believers, an organized body of believers. And we do not believe that women are to be at the top of that hierarchy as far as the spiritual authority leading that congregation. Women are clearly instructed to teach other women in scripture. So we know Titus 1, Proverbs 31. Yeah, women absolutely are instructed to teach other women. Sean and I also, my position on it, you know, maybe more, a little more conservative than some of the women on YouTube in our crowd. Um, I personally feel like it's okay for me to teach if I'm sitting with my husband and under his covering and with his authority and with his guidance. That's why I've got him here with me now and I'm doing ladies night, you know? Um, so yes and no, it's, it's, it just depends on 
what context the teaching is taking place and if that woman is being set up as the actual spiritual authority over the people that she's teaching. So hopefully that helps. <laughs> okay. Yes, uh, since it's ladies night, I will you know, say to my late, my sisters, I switched over to, um, the cup and, um, uh, menstrual or uh, the, um, uh, cloth, 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 menstrual pads. Um, and that's been great for me personally. Um, I love not buying tampons or pads or any of that anymore. And never worrying about that toxic shock syndrome thing with tampons. That was like a huge fear I had when I was a teenager. I remember learning about that and then like being having like a, an unnatural fear of it where I would like have panic attacks about it and stuff. So it's definitely a labor of love, but I think it's really good for our bodies switching over the cloth and, you know, doing things that way. So I'm pretty sure that's how they did it back in the day with the cloth. So here's a good one. Can women wear makeup? Well, I sure hope they can because I'm wearing it. <laughs> so. Um, and for the real answer. <laughs> yes. So. Let's go to the real answer. Okay. So the reason this question, obviously, it comes up is because it's we're told in the book of Enoch that one of the things that the fallen angels taught women was how to wear makeup, uh, specifically what the beautifying of the eyes um, for the purpose of for the purpose of seduction. So uh, remember, guys, the the angels taught mankind to do all kinds of things, including writing. So if everything that the fallen angels taught mankind is a sin and wrong to do, then we all. I mean, I guess we the, better start book burnings. The the angels did not teach. Um, they they taught men how to validate their faith through writing. It's a unique statement given in First Enoch sixty nine. But it is concluded through general assumption from all the other statements that the priesthood passed down through Adam was taught writing from the angels in the Garden of Eden to Adam. Oh, okay. So it well, would not. It would, that. It would, there's a difference between writing through the omens of incantation versus learning learning letters as the priesthood would, so they could teach righteousness to mankind. So. What I'm saying is just because the, the fallen angels taught it to mankind doesn't mean that it's a blanket bad. What's bad is beautifying your face for the purpose of, of seduction. Right. Yeah. It's the whole context of the introduction of Azazel teaching the beautifying of the eyelids through tinctures and is the idea of seduction to, to, to create fornication, which was unrighteousness. Yeah. Uh, we see... Um, a plethora of other instances in scripture where makeup is used with righteous people and the father doesn't get upset. In fact, he even uses the illusion of makeup with the new Jerusalem in Isaiah. I think it's 54 or 52, no 54 talking about beautifying the stones of the, of the new Jerusalem with antimony, which is a form of makeup. Yeah. So this is, yeah. So that's the stance from scripture. Um, it's not a sin. Um, if we want to just talk, you know, on a, you know, personal level. I explained this on our last uh, Q&A, but I personally, I don't wear a whole lot of makeup. I've got really super sensitive skin. And so any 
foundation powder, anything like that on my face, I can like feel it moving around. And I've said on the last show that you might notice I touch my face a lot during our broadcast. And it's actually because I do wear powder for the lights and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I have like adult onset acne or something. Like I didn't have any acne problems in high school. My skin was great. And I hit my twenties and then all of a sudden it was like this hormonal thing. And so, um, yeah, I go ahead and I put a little concealer on my blemishes and, um, I, you know, I feel better about myself when I look at my face on the screen. Um, you know, when that's, Put together. I also have blonde eyelashes. I explained this last time. And without my mascara, I look in the mirror and I feel like I, I look like I don't have eyelashes. Like it, I remind myself of that. What was that movie? Powder. That yeah. that character that had like no hair. I think he was a vino though. Whatever. I, you know, I was super young when that movie came out, but that's like, that's how I joke at myself, you know? And so a lot of times I put mascara on and I'm not even leaving the house. I just prefer how I look when I see myself in the mirror, when I've got my mascara and I can see that I have eyelashes. Also, I explained last, last show that I like to look nice for my husband. Like I didn't want to be one of those women that got married and then decided I just want, I can just be frumpy and let myself go all the time. Um, I like to make an effort to look nice for my hubby. And now that I work from home, that's another thing for me that putting my face on and having my hair, you know, straightened and, you know, an outfit on that helps me to not be a lazy person, just staying in my PJs all day. Cause I don't have to leave the house. I appreciate it. Yeah. So that's the other thing, you know, I'm also, you know, I, I do a little something for myself in the mirror every morning, just, you know, as a part of my routine. So I have a routine and I'm not just, you know, being lazy, a lazy bum, I guess. I don't know. Um, so I would say, really it's about your motives, uh, for the makeup. I also would encourage women, you know, if, if you're doing the head covering thing for modesty purposes, um, there's one thing that I've noticed it's, you know, sometimes some women who cover their heads go a little overboard on the makeup. And I don't know if it's a conscious thing that they're making up for their, the beauty of their hair being covered and maybe thinking they need to enhance the beauty of their face. Maybe they're just, it's just a forced habit. Maybe, you know, you're just raised to love makeup and it's something you like to do. And, um, for us, some women, you know, putting makeup on as a profession, I mean, some women, you know, make money as makeup artists, you know, so, you know, I think there are, you know, there are just some things to maybe reflect on, I guess I would say for your own personal motives and reasons for why you're wearing makeup and how much you're wearing. I would encourage, sisters not wear too much. I mean, I personally think, you know, when you start caking it on and it's obvious that you're wearing a lot of makeup, it actually takes away from your beauty. Beauty, I think makeup is, you know, should be used to enhance what's already there. Um, and yes, maybe cover up a little, you know, redness here and there if you need it. Um, but ultimately it's just about the motives of your heart when it comes down to it. So I probably talked way too long on that topic. <laughs> I think I'll take one more question because it's been two hours and I am running out of steam. So, okay. Um, Jeremiah 1516. I apologize. Um, no, I the we're, the we're, chat we erase questions. moves so fast on our end and then we can only scroll up to a certain point and just, then everybody's just, comments up above there. If you could retype your next question, 
Um, we, we don't have the option. To in all caps. Yeah. Um, so if it's if it's in the past, just please try to post it again. Put it in all caps so we can see it. Oh, that might be the problem. Um, Master is Master Soup a mod? It won't show you in here. Okay. Yeah, in, in this particular program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I'm just here to watch Sean's facial expressions. All right. Yeah, and she gets mad at me because I don't have to put makeup on. I just turn the lights on. Yeah, it's it's no no work for him. Um, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Also, please don't lose hope. I'm gonna do more of the ladies uh, ladies nights. You know, so I may be able to see your question. You know, next time. <sighs> you guys are always welcome to email us questions at Kingdom in Context. If you're a Patreon, um, hit us up on Patreon. If you're on Facebook, our Facebook group that you know we get notified of that super fast for whatever reason above all the other options. Um, so we answer a lot of questions in the Facebook group all throughout the week at all times. So, um, you know, just, uh, there's lots of ways to contact us. I'm sorry if, if there's a lot of ladies in here that may not have gotten their question answered tonight. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'll be doing more of these. So don't worry if your question didn't get answered, we'll get to it next time. So last one last question here. Can women cut their hair short? Uh, yeah, there's not, there's no verse that says they can't. There's some discussion from Paul. And I think that's from a cultural aspect. Ultimately, what I would say is if your haircut is, uh, you know, that of a man that, um, like if you're getting a cut that, you know, is like kind of the stereotypical cut that you would think that a lesbian would have, excuse me for having to Say, you Demonetize. Know, bring, excuse me for having to say that, but you know the butch cut. Like I would. It was good, guys. Good being on YouTube. I would we'll encourage. I would encourage women of the faith to not have haircuts that resemble ma a male haircut. Uh, you know, if someone looks at you from behind and thinks could think you're a man because of your haircut, I would think that would be where you would you know be looking for your boundaries. Obviously, you know. I've cut my hair short. <laughs> and she, and she, she asked, if, you know, she didn't have to ask me, but she did. Uh, Cause she knew that I loved her beautiful long hair. He loved my long hair. She wanted to change. And I said, sure. You know, and there's nothing scriptural that says a woman can't have shorter hair. Right. Some, I actually knew a girl growing up who could not grow long hair. So this is the kind of stuff, you know, just like dudes that can't grow beards. There's no command for women to grow long hair. There's no command for dudes must have a beard. Yeah. Right. There's about occultic activity. So if a woman is, sh is shaving her head to look like a man because she's involved in Baphomet agenda activity, yeah. don't do that. That's not, you know, if a man is shaving his beard is is a marring of the beard, which was a, a cultural thing that they did to a certain Canaanite God as a former practice of witchcraft. Yes. Then don't do that. But but the idea that um, a woman just having a shorter haircut, you know, some women can't grow long hair. It just depends yeah. on their genetics. Yeah. So hopefully, and what is, who's, who's the arbitrator of long? Like, what is long? Is it true? waist length? Is it mid back? Is it shoulders? You know, I'm just saying there's some of these are very subjective. Yeah, very they subjective. are very subjective. For example, yeah. if you're shaving your head in solidarity with a loved one who's got cancer and had to shave their head, right. you know, like a little kid, I've seen people do that. The whole family of the That's little right. child will shave their head to, you know, make the child feel, you know, accepted and not different. So that I would say, you know, is something that they're doing out of love. They're mourning. They're doing it out of love. Yeah. They're not, they're not imitating the priest of Baal. Yeah. Shaving their heads. Yeah. Or shaving it like in protest of this patriarchal society, like Sinead O'Connor. So, all right, guys. Is she still around? Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs>
Jasmine W. Uh, yeah, that, Jeremiah. If that's the case, then that's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. I am not sure what's going on with yeah, your. Yeah, you you may. Yeah. It's definitely a device issue on your end because yeah. we're not seeing your question, sister. Yes. Uh, if you just asked it within the last five or ten minutes, we are in that part of the chat scrolling it. Yeah. And we don't see it. Yeah. You make sure that you're um, pressing the send button and not just the return button. Because sometimes the device will erase it as opposed to sending it. Yeah. Depends on your device. All right, guys. I think we'll go ahead and call it a night for our first yeah. ladies night. Milk and meat Q&A. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Think of topics for discussion for the next one. And pray that the father moves me to do it sooner rather than later. Because <laughs> as I said, it's pretty much just going to be as I feel led and as Sean is available. So. If you want to see it more often, maybe, you know, talk to the big guy upstairs. <laughs> um, did you have anything you wanted to? I'm ready to get my add? Shabbat on. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Sean will be, you'll be teaching tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, portion. tour portion tomorrow morning. All right. And I don't know how to close this out. Okay. So you're going to have to do it. So. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We hope to see you uh, next time. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.